Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Let's continue our worship with the Word of God. We have been uh, uh, studying the book of Acts for, for since February, I think. Sometime in February, we've been moving through the middle portion of the book, and we've seen the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the growth of the church, starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. What a privilege, what a, what a wonderful thing to see our history, and it continues today. Uh, we come to that point of the, the book where uh, it's a natural breaking point where Paul's end of his third missionary journey, he wants to get back to Jerusalem, and so he leaves uh, the Aegean Sea area, southwest Turkey, and he's, and he's heading back to, to, to uh, Jerusalem. But before he leaves, he meets with the elders in the church of Ephesus. That's where we pick up today uh, this, this, this idea of what is, what is healthy leadership in a church. What, is, uh, what are the elders supposed to be doing? What's their, what's their heart? What's their conviction? What's their character? He speaks to them, and, and it calls us to be a people of godliness and a people on mission for Christ. Uh, please open your Bibles to Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 17 is where we'll start. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God, and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account of my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. For I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Uh, pause there, please. <clears throat> uh, the, the Apostle Paul has been on a mission for a long time by this point. It's uh, somewhere 57, 58 A.D. He's in his mid-50s. He's been uh, through the ringer. He's gone here and there. He's, uh, he's been you know, beat up. He's been shipwrecked. He's been whipped. He's been everything you can imagine, imprisoned, all the things that have happened. But he's seen a lot of fruit, seen a lot of people come to Christ, see churches planted again and again and again to the glory of, of Christ. But now it's time to go home. And, and he, he wants to get home, if, you, if we read a little bit, previous to this passage, he, he wanted to get to Jerusalem before a great feast came, the Feast of Pentecost. He wanted to arrive, so he was on this, this ship that was uh, moving 
through the Aegean Sea, headed into the Mediterranean, and it was stopping at port after port. He came to a place called Miletus, a place I've never, I've never heard about before. Uh, but it turns out that his ship, apparently it was going to be stuck there for a few days. It wasn't going anywhere. So he sent for the elders, the leadership of the church in Ephesus. If you recall, he'd been living in Ephesus, preaching and teaching and being an apostle there for upwards of three years. Uh, he, he, he didn't want to stop in Ephesus because he knew he'd get stuck there for a long time. But now that his ship is you know, in port and it's not going anywhere, he sends for the elders, the leaders of the church of Ephesus, and he says, come down and meet with me. You see, he wants to give them his heart. This is his farewell address. He, he wants to share with them what their calling is again, uh, what, what, what the, 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 the calling of leadership is, how the church needs healthy leadership, godly leadership. And, and he, he, bring, he starts uh, his, his, his address, as you can see here, through some personal example. Look, if you look at verse 18, when they came to him, and it's about a 35-mile, 37-mile walk. Hey, uh, you elders, you're not doing anything. You got nothing on your plates. You don't own any businesses. You, you don't have any work to do at home, but come visit me. And so they start a 35, 37-mile walk, and they, and they show up. They, they came to him and he said to them, uh, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. So he talks about personal experience. Now, his, his heart is, is to move the elders into understanding their role, understanding their, their commission, understanding the weight of their ministry. But he does it kind of implicitly, kind of passively. Um, he's saying, you remember my example, don't you? And so he's calling forth kind of how he lived. Uh, so that they will say, yeah, we as leaders of this particular church, at this particular time, in this particular place, we should live like, we should act like, we should lead like the Apostle Paul. So, so he starts in verse 18. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. Now, it's not talking about Asia like, like Japan or China. It's, it's, it's Turkey, southwest Turkey. It's a province in, a Roman province in what we call Turkey today. When you think about elders, uh, leaders of the church, pastors, they're, they're not supposed to be up in ivory tower somewhere. They're not supposed to be locked away somewhere, separate from the people. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, you know how I lived among you. You know, like, it's not like pastors aren't sheep themselves. It's not like pastors are, are like this holy, holy group of people that, you know, priests set apart or something. Paul, Paul says, I lived among you. And the point being, I, I lived an example among you. In other letters, he says to the elders, he says, you know, you're an example of the flock. You're an example of the people. You're an example of godliness. You're, you're an example of Jesus Christ to the church. And what a high calling it is to be an elder. What, what a, to be... You know, in our church, we elect elders. Back in, in Paul's day, uh, Paul and some of his traveling companions, they'd often appoint elders in the different churches they started. But to be an elected an elder or called to be a pastor of a church is an incredible thing. But it's not meant to be something just for yourself. Uh, he says, I lived among you the whole time. You saw my way of life. You saw how I treated people. You saw how I acted in your midst. And now the idea being is that uh, now he's going to go away. He's never going to see him again. 
Now, can you imagine having an apostle in your church for three years? Apostle of Jesus Christ. Like all the problems that would happen, whether it's conflict among the people, whether it's attack from the outside, whether it's financial problems, whatever the case may be. Oh, Apostle Paul will take care of it. Woohoo! Yeah. Elders like, Apostle Paul, boom, here, you deal with it. And now Paul's saying, now you deal with the church. It's your leadership responsibility. How are you going to live? How are you going to act? How are you going to be? And he's saying implicitly to them, passively saying, you saw how I live, now you do it. Uh, every church that's healthy church, every church that's, uh, that's uh, pleasing to Christ, the Lord of the church, every church that accomplishes a mission, it has healthy leadership. Um, and healthy leadership meaning they're following Jesus, they're living a Jesus type of life, holiness and godliness, humility, grace, etc., etc., uh, he, he moves on from there and he says to them, uh, you remember, look at verse 19, how I served the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of, of the enemies that he faced again and again. Uh, what is an elder, and not just an elder, not just a leader of church, but what is a Christian's calling? Uh, we're all called to ministry. Ministry means to meet the needs of others. Whether it's a nursery ministry or a youth group ministry or a feeding ministry or a clothing ministry, you fill in the blank. Uh, every, every ministry is about meeting the needs of others. Every member of a church is supposed to be a minister in some fashion, whether in the walls of the church or outside of the church. None of us should be on a sideline. None of us should be uh, out of ministry, so to speak. But... The heart they're being, it's, it's uh, yeah, you might serve somebody directly, but ultimately every leader, every person, every church member is serving the Lord. You know, our, our response to what He's done for us, our response to His salvation given freely by grace, by trusting Him through faith in Him, uh, is a response of, of worship. And what is What is worship? Glorifying God, honoring God, and, and one of the means of worship, the avenues of worship, is ministry. Uh, we've had a, a, a great season of different people serving different people. And sometimes it's through tears. Sometimes serving people is a, is a time of suffering because it's so hard and it's so difficult. People in this church who have taken care of their family members for years, people who have uh, taken care of neighbors and loved ones, sacrificially giving again and again, putting themselves at risk for the benefit of others. Apostle Paul says, it, I serve the Lord. You know, it, sometimes it's, you know, rubbing shoulders with people that are hard to live with or are difficult or an obstinate or are mean people. Sometimes we don't want to go there. We don't want to do that. But if it's about the Lord, I'm doing this unto them for His glory, for His blessing for his honor. So Paul says, you know, you're thinking about what an elder is. An elder should be an example to the flock. Uh, you can write down Hebrews 13, 7 if you're taking notes, an example. Uh, you can write down 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5 is, is an example. But the sense of serving the Lord. Are you serving the Lord? Or sometimes elders in churches, sometimes leaders in churches, they get to, they get to a place of leadership and it's not about the Lord, it's about them. It's about their glory, it's about their honor, it's about their pride, it's about their position, it's about their title. 
may it not be in this church. You know, the, one of the things that we come into this, uh, this, this, this passage with is, is the reality that a pastor doesn't stay forever. Elders of the church don't serve forever. Overseers, they, they go home to glory. They move away. And so one of the realities of, of this church and every local church is that uh, at some point, new elders are going to be elected. New pastors are going to come. New servants of the Lord. And what kind of people are they going to be? Uh, we talk uh, here, are they servants of the Lord? Elders should be examples for the flock. Elders should have their heart about serving the Lord, not themselves. Uh, Paul gives some descriptive uh, terms for this. He, he says, I serve the Lord with all humility. Again, 1 Peter 5, there's 1 through 5 is a great passage to study there. Paul was humiliated again and again as a leader. I mean, from place to place, he was, he was leading. He was trying to show the church how to live. He was, he was trying to bring the gospel there. He was trying to plant churches and, and keep churches healthy. All of his letters, how humiliating, all the pushback he got, all the slander he received, all the attacks against him, the humiliations over the, over the course of his career were many, but humility, what a great thing. Didn't our Lord Jesus, didn't he come to serve in humility? You can write down Philippians chapter 2 if you want to study that a little bit. He served humbly, even though he was, the angels worshipped him, even though he was the king of glory, he came and he served for the benefit of others, not counting equality with them, something to be grasped but to serve them as if they were better than him. What, what a great uh, attribute, quality, serving the Lord by um, humbly serving others. It says with tears, and I think what that means is compassion. You, know, you see people broken, and, and we have no lack of hurting people in our church, do we? we? We have no lack of people that are going through trials and tribulations in our church right now, that are suffering or going through hardships. And for an elder to be uncompassionate would be wrong. There's, there's this heart that comes through uh, of compassion. With tears, he, he wept over their needs. He wept over their, 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 their sufferings, whether it was famine, whether it was uh, you know, some kind of a natural disaster, whether it was attacks from, from people that wanted to destroy the gospel and destroy the church. Paul, man, his burden for the churches was immense. A, a compassionate heart, and, and through his own trials, through his own sufferings. And I, I guess the way to summarize it is suffering, uh, crying out for people, um, the humiliations that he faced. Uh, we want to find elders. We want to we find pastors. You know, if, if you come to the point of, of you know, going to another church and finding a place where, where you're seeking out the leadership there, what are they like? Are they, are they serving the Lord no matter what? through good times, through bad times? Or, or is their heart to continue um, ministering to the flock in the name of Jesus for God's sake, for God's glory, no matter what? If, if it's about their ego, if it's about their pride, if it's about them, they're going to be offended often about this or that thing or whatever. But if they're servants, <laughs> they, they do well with the sheep. The sheep that want to fight, the sheep that want to attack, the sheep that want to stray, <laughs> the, the sheep that don't care, servant to love for people. 
he, he moves on. And again, he's, he's saying this to the elders. He's called them. They've come the 37 miles. He's never going to see them again. And they're like, uh, you mean it's us? It's our time to lead? And so he's saying, yeah, it's your time to lead. And so he's saying, like, you know how I lived among you. Now you do it the same way. And it's not just for elders. It's not just for people in leadership in a church. This is to us, all of us, all of us sheep, serving the Lord. But, but, he, but he moves on. How I did not, verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Now that, that's a great, that's a great uh, verse right there in so many ways. Uh, he, an elder has to teach. If you look at the requirements for elders, and first, uh, first Timothy 3 and uh, uh, Titus 1, most of them are character traits. The character of an elder is huge. The character of a pastor is huge. Uh, some of your translations talk about bishops. It's huge. The character matters so much. Um, but, but here he says one of the requirements is to teach. An elder should be able to teach. When we elect elders, they should be able to teach. It's, it's, a, it's a trait. And, and Paul says, you guys are going to take over now. Some of these guys with maybe a third grade education, as, as it were. Some, maybe they're just hardworking people. Maybe they're just, you know, never been to uh, the Greek schools of philosophy or whatever. He's saying, now it's your turn. He's saying, you know how I taught. I taught without um, pulling any punches, as it were. I didn't shrink back in fear to give you the word of God. I, I taught publicly. Remember last week we talked about the Hall of Ty- Tyrannus. For, for two years, he taught publicly doctrine and theology and, and God's word, right? And here it says house to house. Maybe, maybe in Ephesus, it was, Ephesus was a mega city back in the day. Maybe it was a, a house church here, a house church there. I, I went to house, or maybe it's the elders' houses, like he poured into the elders. You know, I came to your house, poured into you, lived, lived with you in so many ways, right? Teaching the word and teaching truth. But, but I love how... Uh, uh, he says, whatever was profitable. Now, I can tell you, uh, my, my whole vocation, my whole vocational life has been as a pastor, a missionary. And I can tell you that people want to be taught what they want to be taught. In other words, they don't want to hear everything from the Word of God. People oftentimes want to be taught what is important to them or what matters to them or what entertains them or what they're interested in. The Apostle Paul says, <laughs> I taught what was profitable to you, what God's will was, in other words. Um, there's hard things in the, in the Word. There's things that are very difficult to, for us moderns, for us in this American culture, where the truth seems so foreign to what people are living or how they want to live. Yet Paul says, you know, I, I kept punching, I kept throwing the punches. I didn't hold anything back out of fear. I didn't shrink away with the hard doctrines, with the hard truths. And neither should you, elders, leaders of the church. Uh, And neither should we as the flock. We should teach one another. We should encourage one another with the word, with God's truth again and again and again, whether we want to hear it or not. Because it's God's word and He wants our best. the, The Lord calls us to a path of life, whether the culture thinks it's life or not. Uh, if you look at verse uh, 27, 
It says there, uh, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Here at our church, our, our strategy has been to go through books of the Bible, moving through them slowly, Old Testament, New Testament. And, and it's a strategy over time. We think that if you are in this church long enough, you're going to hear the whole counsel of God. You're going to hear about, hear about the Word of God, the plan of God. But the difficult part of that is most people today are, are here one week and then they're gone for two weeks. Or they're here two weeks and they're gone for four weeks. And it's hard. That strategy, I think we need to change that to some degree. Um, maybe more doctrinal sermons, more, more topical sermons. I'm not sure that it's going to be a conversation with the elders. But Paul says, I brought you everything. Everything. Those three years I was with you, I didn't hold anything back. I, I wasn't afraid. I didn't shrink back. Neither should you. Man, if you elect elders, the, 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 the pastors you call in the future, the church leadership, make sure that they are people who are sold out in the Word of God. They're under the authority of the Word of God. They're, they're not over the Word of God. They are under the authority of the Word of God. If you look at verse 32, this comes out in a certain degree. Uh, now I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace. Uh, in other words, Paul, I give you to God and I give you to His Word. The Word of His grace, the unmerited favor, the blessing of God, freely given. But it's, it's a submission. He's calling them to submit to the Word of God. And so should we. So, so Paul's a teacher and he doesn't care. He, he, elders, he's saying, I live this way. Elders, you should be this way too. Give the people the Word of God. Don't hold anything back because it's unpopular, or it might get you in trouble, or it might stain your reputation, or something like that. It's God's word that you're supposed to deliver. So he moves on from there, and if you look at verse 21, um, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we get to the testifying, the proclamation, the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the way Luke writes, uh, sometimes when it talks about the Word of God in the book of Acts, sometimes it's confusing whether he's talking about the gospel as part of the Word of God or the Word of God in general. But here in verse 21, he's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation, the calling people to trust in Jesus. And, and you notice uh, there's, there's two parts of it in, in this way, that, the way that Luke puts it here, reporting Paul's sermon. He says, uh, repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. When, when, uh, when the gospel goes out, it, when we recognize that we're sinners, that we're recognizing that we are condemned before God because of our evil, the gospel calls us to repentance. Not just a godly sorrow for our sins, but a real desire to change, a real desire to come under the word of God and obey God. But it's, it's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is faith. Repentance means to let go of, of what we're holding on to, our sins, our evil, our wicked ways, say, I'm done with that. And faith is, I'm now trusting in Christ. Faith and repentance, repentance and faith go together. But you notice that Paul, again, he, and he's, he's passively, kind of implicitly saying to the elders, you know how I lived, now you do it. You know how I live, testifying to both Jews. I, I wasn't afraid of the Jewish people. I wasn't afraid of my people, as Paul was a Jew. And I wasn't afraid of the Gentiles. I, 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 God wants all the people. Red, yellow, black, and white are precious in His sight. All the people of the world, the gospel needs to go forth to every tribe and every tongue and every language, every ethnicity, every culture around the world. 
I, I wasn't afraid. I, I, I talked to them both. And, you know, elders, we should be people that share the gospel. It's something we're passionate about, zealous about. Uh, if, if the pastors, if the leaders of the church aren't passionate about the gospel going forth, uh, oftentimes the church isn't either. And what happens to a church that's not on mission? That isn't about being about Jesus' work of making disciples? That church, in short order, will die, as we're seeing evidence all around us these days. Uh, Paul's, Paul's heart comes through in verse 24, along these lines of sharing the gospel. Uh, you know, because sharing the gospel is dangerous, as Paul would testify. It gets you in prison. It gets you fired. It gets you in trouble with certain people. Even family members will come against you. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, to preach the gospel, the gospel of grace, the grace of God. Uh, his, his, his zeal, his zest there comes through. It's like, you hear what he's saying? Like, I knew Jesus gave me this ministry. You know, and he's, maybe he's giving you a different ministry. Maybe you're not an evangelist. Maybe, you know, you're not somebody that has that frontline ministry of proclaiming the gospel to someone directly. The Apostle Paul knew that that was his job. You know, when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, it was in, in, and he was baptized, you know, very in quick order. He knew what Jesus wanted him to do. And so, man, I didn't, I didn't shrink from that either. I, 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 I even, to the point of, I, I don't really care if I die doing it. I could lose everything I have. I could lose my, my possessions. It's okay. I could lose my life. It's okay. Just that I would be doing the word, doing the will of God, uh, is his heart and his passion. Now, I know... Uh, I don't know if any of our elders in our church right now that have the gift of evangelism, but that doesn't stop us from trying to lead evangelistic lives, gospel-oriented lives, uh, presenting the gospel whenever we can. Paul says, hey, now that I'm leaving, you don't have the evangelist in your midst. Now it's your work. And it's not just the work of the elders, right? Not just the work of the leaders. This, this goes beyond into the church. A healthy, godly church is somebody is a church that's alive with the gospel of Jesus Christ, making sure that it goes forth always, never stops. He moves on from there. So, so if you're keeping track, right? It's somebody that's an example. What kind of elder are you going to elect? What kind of pastor are you going to call in the future to, to be a leader in this church? You're going to call someone who's an example for the flock. You're going to call elders. When you have to elect elders someday, you're going to call somebody, some, some people who are elders, who are, who, are, who are an example. You're going to call people who are servants of God. That's their heart. You know that that's their heartbeat, that they teach, that they don't hold anything back, and that they're gospel-bearing elders, sharing, caring, giving away the gospel elders. He, uh, he keeps going, if you're still with me. He's, uh, if you want to... If you, a church that's alive, that's thriving, it needs healthy leadership. And so maybe God's going to call you into leadership one day. What kind of man will you be? Or the ministry that God calls you into, what kind of a person will you be? Uh, here's some things that are very important to him to pass on to the elders in Ephesus. Um, look, at verse, look at verse 28, if you would. 
Let's, let's pick up the account there. Notice, notice the change from implicit passive to exhortation and direct command. Pay attention, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I, and notice here he flips back to testimony, to personal example. You can imagine him saying, you know, verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way you must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, that last section, starting in, in verse 33, the, the, you know, if, you, if, if you're an example, if you're a servant, if you're a teacher, if you're, if, if you're a proclaimer of the gospel, Paul's saying, yeah, you're a good elder, but there's something else here from my personal testimony, how I lived among you. He's saying, I coveted no one's gold. I, I wasn't money hungry. I wasn't materially focused. And uh, unfortunately, we can't say that often. How, how do I say that? We... Oftentimes, we see examples around us of, of pastors, of elders in different churches where money has consumed them, a love for money. There's nothing wrong with money. It's a love for money that's the root of all evil. Uh, pursuing money, pursuing gold, like using the flock as a means of gaining wealth or gain of uh, seeking material resources for yourself. Paul's saying, again, he's, he's through example saying, you saw how I lived, and the, the idea is you don't live any different. Pastor, shepherd, leader. We, we see examples here, even here in the San Luis Valley, where it seems certain people are living for money, and they are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's heartbreaking to see. Apostle Paul, you know, is an apostle, he wrote about, you know, if you're, if you're an elder and you're a preacher of the word, you know, don't muzzle the ox, you can earn a living that way. But he says, as for me, man, I, I, I was, I was, I'm free. I, I don't, I don't want to, these hands, right? He was a tent maker. Again, last week we talked about maybe from, from 7 in the morning to 11, he worked as a tent maker. And then the middle of the day when, when uh, the culture was on siesta, he'd teach and then he'd go back to tent making at night. He, he lived this full life of, of giving of himself. And his heart was because Jesus taught that giving is better than taking. Giving is better. And you all know that, right? It's nice to receive gifts. It's nice to receive things from other people. But the better life is to give. Uh, Paul's saying, I gave and I gave and I gave. You saw how I lived. Don't you live any different? And that's not just for elders. That's for the church. A giving life instead of a grasping life. The culture that surrounds us say, grasp, get something bigger, get something better. You deserve it. It's all about you. Uh, imagine a church full of those kind of people. How ugly that church would be 
and how depressing that church would be and how sick that church would be if we were all grasping for things instead of giving. But imagine a church where we're living as a people who are constantly giving to one another, ministering to one another, meeting each other's needs, praying for each other, loving each other as needed, supporting each other, taking care of one another again and again. What a church that would be. Paul says, don't live that way, but live this way as Jesus did. He gave it all. How do we know what love is? We know what love is because Jesus Christ gave his life for sinners like us. And we should do the same. So he, but, but he does move in, you know, there's those five kind of those areas that were important for the church in Ephesus. If you read through the New Testament, there's other elder exhortations or elder, elder teachings about disciplining the flock and, and praying for the flock and financial authority over, you know, and accountability over things, watching over things. There's so many other things we could talk about today, but, but he does get into some exhortations, and this is very important. I think this is not just for the elders of the church, but for everybody here. If you look at verse 28 again, a, a massive verse, let me read it again. Pay careful attention, the exhortations. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I don't know if you see the Trinity there, but the Trinitarian theology comes through quickly in, in different places with the Apostle Paul. Who, who's, whose church is it? It's God's church, right? Who, whose church are we? We're God's. How did, we, how did God obtain us? He obtained us through the blood of Christ. Who has appointed the elders in the church to oversee the flock, the Holy Spirit? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all intertwined there. It's, it's a Trinitarian church. It's, it's a Trinitarian work. It's a Trinitarian love for the church. Um, but notice, notice how he starts. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Oh boy, don't elders need to hear this? Don't we all need to hear this? Uh, sometimes elders, maybe they've served for a long time. You know, by, by God's grace, Elizabeth and I have been here for a long time, and it's been, it's been a blessing in so many ways. But sometimes, man, elders that have been on an elder board for a long time or leadership for a long time, there, there tends to be this thing where they start getting prideful or start, start thinking they, they've got it all together or that they, they know what to do and how to do it, and they don't need any grace anymore. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need help anymore. Or they, they, they forget that they're sheep, just like everybody else. And so the Apostle Paul says here, Hey, you elders, I've been with you for three years. You guys stink just as much as I do, in terms of spiritually. Um, you guys are just like anybody else, prone to fall prone to sin, prone to live for yourself. Uh, it, just, just a little side here, if you, if you look at 1 Timothy 4, uh, which was written to Timothy, in, who is then later on serving in Ephesus, uh, Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch, like careful, Watch, for your, watch over yourselves carefully, Paul said in Acts. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, so by doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. He doesn't mean like save yourself in terms of justification, 
right? Save yourself from crashing and burning. Save yourself from departing from the church. Save yourself from from sinning and, and falling and save your hearers in that way as well. Uh, what it means is watch your life. And this isn't just for elders. Watch your life. It's easy for all of us, theologically, doctrinally, personally, to get into a rut of falsehood, to get sideways in the ditch instead of going straight. Have you, know, have you noticed in the Old Testament, like um, in the past when I read through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and 1 and 2 Chronicles. There's a lot of guys that start off so well. Kings that are righteous and holy. And then they get to be these old men and they start sinning and they start worshiping idols. Like, like, like even Solomon, like the wisest man on the earth. Whatever reason, he gets full of himself or I don't, I don't need God's grace anymore. And they start serving other gods or they start moving in other ways or they think they're, they're smart enough to accommodate certain beliefs instead of staying in the truth. Personally, uh, over time, all of us, because of circumstances in life, because of attacks from Satan, because of the lies of the culture, because of the peers we're around, we can be pulled off the path of Jesus. And so, elders, please watch yourself. Don't, don't live that, that way. And doctrinally, man, we, we can fall away from certain truths, like we can hold truths for decades. Yeah! And then something comes along, we read a certain book or, or something, and we start questioning things, and maybe we go through a, a midlife crisis or something, and, and like, oh, I don't know anymore. Watch yourself doctrinally. Uh, at our church here, one of the great traditions we have, we've started, is we have, uh, not this, this is a tradition, but uh, we, we're known for our super long elder meetings. And uh, about, it's about killed off some of our elders. But the reason they're so long is because in every elder meeting, we have a time where we go around the circle and we ask each other how you are. Uh, where we, we ask each other, uh, tell us about your life, tell us about your family, tell us about your walk with Jesus. And so sometimes our elder meetings are four and five hours long because guys are sharing. We're holding each other accountable to be godly. Um, We've we got to watch ourselves. What, what about you? You know, are, is there anybody you're accountable to? Is there anybody in your life that you can be, share life with and share your heart with? You've got to watch yourselves, but it's better if we do this together. Always. But moving on to the, the, the kind of the main exhortation. Man, we, we, need, we need godly elders that stay to the point, stay with walking with Jesus, and they've got to watch themselves They've they, they got to care for one another to be godly men because we're all prone to fall. But the main exhortation comes in the, in the next line. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Now, th this is a big deal. Uh, and I'm sorry if, if you are offended by being called sheep. That's how the Bible describes you who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who have been brought into the family of God. Not only are you the body of Christ, not only are you the temple of the Holy Spirit, but you're sheep of God. <laughs> Jesus, praise God, Jesus is sheep. Um, but uh, the Apostle Paul says to the elders there, you've got to watch the flock. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Uh, some translations say bishops there. Elders was a Hebrew word. It's pulling out, you know, it's pulling out of the Hebrew system. 
uh, from way back in Egypt. There's elders in Egypt. There's elders in the synagogue. But overseers is a, is a Greek word from the Roman world, like overseers of cities. You've been given charge by the Holy, Sit, the Holy Spirit to watch over the flock. So, so elders, um, we, we need healthy elders that are caring for the flock, that are watching to make sure that the flock doesn't get in trouble, watching to make sure that they don't go in a doctrinal ditch, falling away from the Word, falling away from the Lord. Um, and that's, that's a huge deal. That's a, that's a massive deal because the flock is Jesus's. And if you've been entrusted for their care, well, well he, Hebrews says, you're gonna, Elder, you're going to give an account for their souls, which makes me tremble and makes every elder tremble in their boots when they realize the responsibility they've been given. But, but, but sheep, I mean, I've, I've never been a shepherd of sheep, but they seem awful silly to me. They run away. They, they don't know how to defend themselves. They get stuck in fences. They get stuck in ditches. They stink. They, 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 they fight against themselves. They're selfish. Etc., etc., etc. But the biggest thing that Paul brings out here is, man, this, this church that Jesus died for, that you have back in Ephesus, that God has entrusted to you, if you don't watch over them, if you don't protect them, if you're not praying for them, if you're not seeking out their good, they're, they're red meat for the wolves. And if you want to dive a little bit deeper, you know, here it talks about, um, in verse 29, I know that after my departure, Fierce wolves will come in among you. Like, think, think, I mean, literally, uh, word got out. The Apostle Paul, without, with, 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 with all his strengths and the anointing of the Spirit, and, you know, he did miracles and stuff. Once he's gone, some of the people that want to destroy the church or turn the church doctrinally, hey, let's go to Ephesus. Those people, maybe they haven't studied their Bibles. Maybe, maybe they're ignorant of things, and maybe we can turn them towards uh, our way as our trophies or our money makers or whatever. Uh, and he says, there's going to be among you men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. <clears throat> Man, what, what, what a terrible thing. The world we live in, that, that uh, there's attackers and there's enemies and there's people that want to draw you into falsehood and draw you into evil. And, and so leadership is very important. The elders of the church matter. And so Paul says, you guys got to be these kind of people to protect the flock, to spare the flock, to keep the flock on track. Uh, and again, this, this, is, this is something that's very difficult in our day because the flock is, in our culture, in our society, always gone, always going there, uh, hard, having a hard time coming together, not in fellowship, not meeting together, not connected Everyone in our culture today, and it's, it's getting worse after COVID, siloed here, siloed there, individual families, not coming together in community, not knowing one another's problems, not knowing one another's issues. It's so easy for people today to ghost the church because no one knows they're gone. When you have two services like we do, you know, I have four or 500 people on the, on the roll, so to speak, and people aren't connected with one another, and they're being pulled away, they're getting tempted by that internet 
uh, line of preaching or that social media post saying, come and live this way, and they're not in community, and the elders don't even know their names or their, 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 their lives. Oh, it's so hard to keep the flock together. And so we've seen uh, over the last uh, many years, we've seen many people snatched away who have shipwrecked their faith, who have departed from Jesus. And I think part of it has been that we as elders have not been able to wrap our arms around them or, or even speak to them about where they're going. It's a two-way street is what I'm trying to say. We only have six elders here, seven elders. And we can't know everybody at all times. We, we want to. But if the church isn't present, if the church isn't engaged with the members of the church, they're red meat. Don't think that you get to the point of being a Christian that you've arrived and you don't need to be in fellowship or you don't need the body of Christ or you don't need to be part of someone else's life in the body. That, that's exactly where Satan would have us. Going to good things and doing good things and doing good events and never being a part of the church is a recipe for disaster in your life. And so when an elder comes and says, how are you doing? He's not just saying, how are you doing? <laughs> He's saying, how's your life? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you living in the word? Are you, are, or have you gotten outside of the way of Christ? It's, it's a huge thing. But Paul says that's, that's the kind of men you want. That's the kind of leadership you want. And he's saying to the church in Ephesus, that's what you should be, elders. And, and so this, this sermon is, is to you, but it's also to me. <laughs> to be there for you and uh, to fight. And again, I was talking about a deep dive. If you want to go on a deep dive, uh, read the first and second Timothy about how after the fact, after Paul predicted wolves would come, what happened in Ephesus? Wolves did come. And, and Timothy was sent there to bring doctrinal order to bring people back in the line to fight for the church uh, uh, we, we, we need leadership in this church we, we need godly leadership and you're going to need it in the future so if you ever have to call a pastor again these are some traits if you ever have to elect elders again which we were which we will right are, are, they, are they men who can live by example? Are they, are they servants? Are they teachers? Are they, are they proclaimers of the gospel? Are they givers of life instead of takers? <clears throat> the exhortations, are they watching themselves? Are they accountable to one, willing to be accountable to one another, submit to one another? Are they people who are taking care of the flock, who want to take care of the flock, even though sometimes it's impossible? Those are the people you should call. But think about your own life. All those traits... Imagine a church that everybody in the church is doing that same thing. Man, they're examples for one another, for their, the people in their family. They're serving Jesus. They're, they're teaching one another, you know, sing songs of hymns and spiritual songs to one another, right? They're, they're looking for ways to preach the gospel. They're, they're living giving lives for others, living for others' sake and others', others blessing, right? They, they're, they're, uh, they're watching themselves, you watching yourself, the, 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 the church taking care of one another, fighting off the wolves. Like, who are you fighting for in the church right now? Who are you watching? Who's in your group? Who's in your, your, your oikos? Who's, who's in your, 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 your tight group of people? Do you have a people that you're fighting for? That you, you know, it just goes on. 
So he comes to the end of his journey. He's never going to see him again if you look at verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with him. And there was much weeping on the part of all. <laughs> they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. They accompanied him to the ship. Luke, would you please come? Uh, may we be this church that is uh, in our leadership. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the elders. Pray for the pastors. Pray for one another. May our church be this church that's about Jesus and living the way, serving one another in love. Uh, please stand in His presence. Lord God Almighty, I, I pray for all of us I, that You've bought. I, I, I'm, in, I'm so in awe, Lord, that, that we're so valuable that you gave your blood for us. You died for us. Uh, we're, we're your church. We know that you've obtained us through your sacrifice, through your death on the cross, and, and help us to be your people, Lord. Walking with you, living with you, obeying you, trusting you, serving one another, Lord. Make your church healthy. Uh, glorify yourself. Every last one of us, may we be yours in your service. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for letting us worship. May you be praised forever and always. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people. And right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.